Buffalo is desperately close for the Buffalo Bills and trying to get their third straight victory, but they were unable to do so. They fall short, just short, by the way, to the Miami Dolphins by a score of 21 to 17. Welcome into the Bills Beat, everyone. My name is Joe Biscali. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And really, the first half of this game was terrible. I think we can all kind of sit here in agreement and say, yeah, that was some pretty boring football. I mean, neither team was really doing much of anything on offense outside of Miami's opening drive. I mean, Josh Allen had a had a couple of throws to his name that looked good, but all in all, it just looked like kind of a dud of a game. And then, then in the fourth quarter, the entire game came alive. And a lot of that had to do with Josh Allen. And of course, he's the name that we have mentioned more often than any other name on this podcast. And for good reason, because the whole season is about it. But today, I think it's good to take a big picture look with what he did in this game. Even though they fell short. Even though he didn't end up finish the job by throwing it maybe a yard farther to Charles Clay. The fact that he has been able to do something that not many other quarterbacks have been able to for the Buffalo Bills, and that's to inspire confidence in Buffalo Bills fans that they actually have a chance to come back at the end of a game. That's kind of worth its weight in gold. And so now the Bills have to go through and 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 get their ducks in a row for the final four games of the season. But it's hard, minus the interception, it's hard not to be impressed by Josh Allen after what he did against the Miami Dolphins in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, particularly that last drive, like you said, he's a guy that keeps them in the game and gives gives some hope that the offense will be able to move the ball in situations where they have to move the ball through the air. He's still doing a ton of damage with his legs, which mm-hmm. is good. I thought he did a better job today of avoiding hits while still picking up huge yards on the ground, which is uh, you know, a rare trait that he has. I mean, he's now set the franchise record for rushing yards in a game by a quarterback in consecutive weeks. So that alone, I mean, he is the offense right now. And there's still not a ton of talent around him, and that's not going to change until the offseason. But he's starting to make guys like Zay Jones look good, uh, guys like Isaiah McKenzie. He's made Robert Foster look good, you know, like he did last week. I, I just don't know if there's anybody on the planet who can make Charles Clay look good. Right. And that that's probably the problem. I mean, Charles Clay has had so many issues with drops, and that throw wasn't good enough, but, well, it was good enough. It, it wasn't him. perfect. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't great. And it came out of his hand weird because he had just been spinning, spinning around and, you know, running around, you know, avoiding a sack. But that throw should have been caught. Yeah. Charles Clay said as much. I mean, and that's probably the, the frustrating part of this game for a lot of people. It was definitely the frustrating thing for the Bills. You know, that locker room was completely different than it was the last time we walked into it. You know, when they were down here clinching a playoff spot, they were pretty pissed off about how that game ended and how that game went. But really, like you said, in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things, the win does, doesn't matter right now. Yep. And it it didn't. It, it, it won't matter for the rest of the season whether they win these games. But what does matter is 
on the road against a pretty good defense, Josh Allen looked the part as a passer, as a runner, and maybe most importantly as a leader. And guys love playing for this guy. We've talked about it before, but he's showing signs that he could be the guy. And if that's the case, then nobody will remember if they beat the Dolphins in December of his rookie season. Right. But they might remember, you know, some of the throws he made, some of the runs he had. I'm wondering if teams are going to start playing him differently at some point because it doesn't seem like they did today. And, you know, I don't know how you contain this guy as a rusher because he's not easy to tackle and you have to respect his arm. So lots to look forward to going forward, but it doesn't necessarily make this any less frustrating for for Bills or their fans. Well, I, I think the result of the game is fairly secondary to a lot of people. But the the one thing that stands out more than anything is the number 366, which is how many total yards Josh Allen accounted for today. And he was everything to their offense. In the past, they've always depended on a running back to kind of lead the path. And, and they've, they've tried to, you know, hobble their way through offense in, in an NFL that has just been rife with pocket passers that have... have really pushed the tempo for their teams and kept them in games. And for the first time in a long time, it felt like the Bills had one of those guys. Now, will he continue to be that throughout the rest of his career? Who knows? There's a lot of time to go between now and that. But I think just him exhibiting the signs so soon in it, into his career, this being his seventh total start um, and really only his sixth full game because the Houston Texans game was cut short for obvious reasons because of the injury. But him being able to make throws that, that he was, or even attempt throws that he did, I mean, a couple that, that ended up not even being a complete pass. How about the flick of the wrist from his own 28 that landed at the freaking six-yard line? It barely missed Robert Foster. Now, some people will go, well, it was an incompletion, so it, but, it, but it's still... Having the ability to chuck it that far down the field and being maybe like a yard, a yard and a half off from from that hitting, you have to think that's going to hit um, one time or another when he takes those chances. And then uh, late in the game on on the third down, the back shoulder throw to Zay Jones. Like, how many Bills quarterbacks in the past decade, heck, the past 20 years, would even try that throw in that spot? And Zay Jones had negative separation on that play. But it because, almost looked like he may have been interfered with yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, but you can argue that uh, Dolphins receivers were getting interfered with during the game, too. It, it was just no, a yeah, less certainly. obvious spot. It was, uh, but that one, you know, I think it was a tough catch for Zay Jones to make because, you know, like you said, he had very little separation. Yeah. And he had a shot at it. You know, it was initially ruled a catch. But yeah, little plays like that. I think that was honestly one of his better throws yeah, of the game. Just trying it. It was, Timing, it was a beautiful black you know, shoulder was, throw. He's not afraid to squeeze it into coverage. He's not afraid to push the ball downfield. I think he looks really confident and comfortable for the most part. He still has the you know tendency to want to leave the pocket, but that's partly you know the playmaker in him. And I think it's more so that than it is the 
I don't think he's scared of pressure by any means. I don't know that he anticipates it well or reacts to it perfectly, but there's the playmaker in him that wants to make plays. And when you're running for 135 yards in a game, then, you know, it's it's not as damning when you see him leave the pocket because he's right. doing so with good results. He did do a better job of sticking in the pocket again this week, I thought. I mean, there were a couple of times early on where he was a little skittish back there and he and he left earlier than than my liking and and just tried to create stuff outside of it. But that's that's also quickly becoming part of his magic too. And it, it's a it's a difficult thing to balance because on one side you know that to be the prototypical passer in the NFL, you have to stand in the pocket and create things that way. But for Allen, he has been so dang effective at uh, at running the ball and picking his spots and making defenders look foolish. I mean, how about the one where Kiko Alonso got turned out, turned around three different times? I mean, that's just kind of what Josh Allen has shown himself to be on the ground. Now, is that sustainable throughout the entirety of his entirety of his career? Probably not. But early on, it's a great way to pick up yards. And I think we we sat here and said said it, you know, quite plainly. Even though he didn't have over 200 yards passing last week. I mean, yards are yards. Still rushed the ball for 99. Got close to 300 yards for the Bills last week. And what now looks to be a... Perhaps a... a, You know, I think today's performance in the second half made his day into a bit more of a superior one just in terms of his long-term aspect or outlook. But when you have him doing those things even last week and then doing it again this week, it's like, all right, well, the Bills might have a multifaceted threat. And I know you brought up the point, like, I wonder if teams are going to defend him, and I wondered that too. But it's almost as though if he's got both of those things clicking at different times in the game, how can you defend him differently? Because if you spy him, then he's going to sit in the pocket and you're not going to be able to run as many unique blitzes at him. And... He's going to be able to feed it into tight windows because that's what he does. He'll miss, too, but he'll also be able to make these huge flash plays. And if you don't spy him and you give him too much of a crease, he's he's going to go. And he might go for 25, 30 yards on a clip. So this is a fantastic problem to have for the Bills. And, you know, it, he really looks the part these past couple of weeks. And Bills fans have been kind of waiting for these signs with him. And they've been patient, sometimes not so patient, especially during the Derek Anderson, Nathan Peterman eras of the season. But you almost have to feel like Bills fans that kind of clung to it are feeling feeling a little vindicated right now that he is showing as many signs as he is that, hey, you know what, maybe they do have something in Josh Allen. But now the trouble is he has to transition from showing signs to becoming the guy. And at least... There are signs of him being just that. Absolutely. And if you want to you have some fun with numbers? Oh, absolutely. I love 135 yards on the ground today. Yes. LaShawn McCoy has done that zero times <laughs> this season. Um, LaShawn McCoy had, what do you have today? 52, 50, 52 on 16, I believe. So 52 brings him up to 478 yards mm-hmm. on the season. Josh Allen's 135 brings him up to 389. 
and he missed four games, <laughs> and he plays quarterback. Yes. So all those things. Yeah, he is. He is the offense right now. I mean, you mentioned 366 yards were his, and the Bills had, what, 415 net yards or something like that? Yep. So basically the entire offense is going through Josh Allen, and he doesn't have a tremendous amount of talent around him. He has a, dare I say, washed-up LaShawn McCoy. 14 on 34 yards on carries that it mattered. I mean, he had the 18-yarder at the end of the first half. Which was an odd sequence in so many ways. They were playing deep pass and trying to keep them away from, from uh, you know, getting down the field too quickly. And so he had 34 on 14 carries. That's bad. And it's not as though there weren't holes. I mean, it's, this deep, Dolphins defensive line isn't great. I wanted to get into LaShawn McCoy later, but why not now? I mean... What is this? Is now nine out of ten games that he has looked like toast. I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say toast, but maybe he's just more of a complimentary back now at this point in his career. He looks—he doesn't look as fast, he doesn't look as decisive. He looks a, a tad hesitant. I mean, it's just not great signs for him right now. It was such a strange sequence at the end of the first half when he got that 18-yard run. It was like all of a sudden the Bills decided maybe we'll we will try to score some points here. <laughs> and so then they threw the ball and they had five seconds at and they were at the forty one yard line. But instead of getting up to the line and maybe maybe you run a quarterback draw, pick up three or four yards and call your last timeout mm-hmm. and get a chance at a field goal, they had to call the timeout before the play because they didn't get out of the huddle in time. And then from the 41, it would have been a 59-yard field goal try. You've got one of the best field goal kickers in the league. He had missed an extra point earlier in the half, but one of the best field goal kickers in the league, and you don't try that. Instead, you try the Hail Mary to the end zone that gets picked off. But, you know, later in the game, Hauschka misses a kick from 55, and he was oddly a part of, you know, the loss today. Special teams in general were a mess, and... But yeah, that sequence at the end of the first half where it didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do because they came out running as the Dolphins used a couple timeouts early. And there was a few moments like that that had you scratching your head throughout this game just from a game management standpoint. And I think that's what the entire game will end up being is kind of a, a bit of a learning experience, you know, in a game where it's not super important that you necessarily get the win in a season I should say when it's not super important you know wins and losses this was a a game that was close and the more close games you're in the more you figure out how to win them Mm -hmm. and they have figured out how to win them at times this season but today it was a lot of self-inflicted problems be it coaching be it special teams be it penalties um, you know a couple of turnovers and you know, that's the type of stuff that will leave you on the outside looking in at the end of a game like this, especially, you know, they had the opportunity at the end and Charles Clay let yeah. it slip through his hands. Yeah, and even though all of those things you just listed... They still should have won. They still should have won. If Charles Clay does his job and catches a pass, yeah, of course, it's not perfect. How many times in a, in a game, in a situation, in a season, do receivers and tight ends have to catch a pass that isn't ideal? I mean, it happens. It's part of life. And in those distinct areas, in that 
moment where it was that big of a play. And for him being who he is, the starting tight end, who gets paid quite handsomely, might I add. You know, not by this front office, but still, he gets paid quite handsomely to be the top tight end, to be on the field in those situations. And to do it against the team that said, no, we're good with with him. It was all right there for Charles Clay. And he just, done. It, it dropped right through his hands. It dropped through his hands. And I don't know what, what uh, dropped quicker. The ball to the turf or Brian Dable to the turf after he saw Charles Clay drop it. Because if you if there's an angle, I, I forget who tweeted it, but there's an angle from that play that showed Dable in the background on the sidelines. And it... And, it looked like he got sniper rifled. <laughs> that's how that's how quickly he dropped because he's just the, the game was there. It was his, and um, it's just it's got to be frustrating for the Bills, for Josh Allen, all those things. Because after all of that adversity that they had gone through, being able to have that spot and have that moment, and for it to not happen for them because of a drop, that's. That's got to be leaving a, a sour taste in their mouth. That's but, pretty fitting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Charles Clay stinks. I mean, he's going to be gone. He's, he's dead weight uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, this is a game where he's playing his old team. He usually plays well down here. He's missed a few weeks due to injury. And that happens. And, it, and he's. One of the better guys you'll meet. I mean, he's a really nice guy, yeah. and he's, he puts in the work as much as anybody. After I mean, he is on that jugs machine forever after every practice. and But it's just not happening for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it hasn't really happened for him here in Buffalo all that often. You know, it's certainly not often enough given how much he gets paid, you know, which is a lot. Uh, and... For a guy that has never been a dominant tight end, he makes quite a lot of money. And they have their first chance to get out of that contract this offseason. Oh, they will. And they ought to take it. And I'm sure they will because you need to be better at that position. And, you know, I I think there are other miscues in the game. You know, when obviously when Josh Allen missed Zay Jones in the end zone, Mm -hmm. uh, he would want that one back. Like I said, Hauschka missing the extra point, Hauschka missing the field goal, the muffed punt. I mean, they, there were a lot of moments, but so it's not all on Charles Clay, right? It's not, right. you know, they didn't lose the game just because of him, but he let it slip through his fingers, and that's what he gets paid to do, and he didn't do it. So could Josh Allen's pass have been better? Sure. Could they have done a bunch of other things to, you know, get them back in it? Sure, but fact of the matter is the ball was in his hands i i find it i find it somewhat hilarious to even say or pin any sort of blame on josh allen for that final throw at the end of the game because he literally he he basically played the part of a circus person running in circles uh because they're kept there was pressure on one side then he flipped the script went the one the other side and somehow Spotted Charles Clay on the complete opposite side of the field. So he's basically throwing against his body and against the grain of the entire field, which is dangerous in itself. But in that situation, just fine because it's fourth down and you want you want to go for it. But I just don't understand how you can give him some blame on that when 
Was it on the money? No. But it was there. It was good enough to be caught. And the tight end that is paid to catch passes, that catches passes on a jugs machine for 10 to 15 minutes after every single practice is supposed to make. And and he just didn't. And the other one that you brought up, um, the one where him and Zay Jones weren't on the same page in the back of the end zone that he missed, uh, I, I thought it was very interesting because... Josh had made some good throws up to that point, and then it looked like he misfired that one. You know, someone, I think it might have even been the broadcast team, maybe James Lofton if he was on the game, said something along the lines of he thought Zay Jones was supposed to sit on the route, and that's why it was behind him. But I'm, I find it hard to believe that anyone would know what Josh Allen actually wanted or if it was just a misfire behind him. Because let's not sit here and pretend that Josh Allen doesn't throw passes behind his receivers sometimes. He's I mean, not pinpoint accurate. No, he's not. And so it is very much within the realm of possibilities for him to not hit that throw where where it needed to be if he was supposed to lead the receiver. So I know fans want to defend Josh Allen because he's a lot newer and it's easier to pin the blame on the receiver, but I, I would just be a little bit hesitant with that because we don't actually know. No, and he, again, he wasn't perfect, and no. those were some of the moments that left you kind of wondering. I mean, the interception that was Ooh. thrown to Calvin Benjamin <laughs> wasn't great, um, although... Sean, Sean know, McDermott with the, yeah, yeah, some, he didn't, he did, I don't think he meant this this way, but when I asked him after the game, he said, maybe a little bit better ball, you know, We've got to make sure to trim the fat off of the route also. Calvin Benjamin, of course, was running the route. And I'm, and, he, and Calvin Benjamin, not a skinny man. Not small. He didn't mean it like that, folks. I, I mean, we've we've gotten to know Sean over How dare the, you? Who are you to say? I, 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 there's no shot. <laughs> it would be something if he did. But, yeah, he's a... McDermott was a little on edge today, and he was a little bit more forthcoming in, in certain things that he was saying, and not at all happy with special teams, uh, that's for sure. Uh, I think there is a fairly good chance that the Bills are looking for a new punter <laughs> this week at some time. Maybe Colton Schmidt comes back, um, but something has to give there because Sean McDermott wasn't happy with that once again, and then... Special teams in general, I think we might be looking at the end of the Danny Crossman era with the Buffalo Bills because he has been very, McDermott that is, he has been very critical of what they've been doing on special teams basically the entire season. And it's not often that he gets critical in a public setting and he's been doing that with special teams and everything along those lines with penalties and, you know, not... Um, not getting the the proper kicks that they've needed to, or you know, not capitalizing on on those um, opportunities that they have, and yeah, I think I think uh, Danny Crossman, who has been the survivor of the Buffalo Bills organization for a long time now, um, I think it, this could be the end for for Mr. Crossman. Yeah, they just don't. Some of the mistakes they make on that side or on that phase of the ball is. You can't blame it all on Danny Crossman, but I think you have to put some of it on him. And it is kind of odd how he's survived as long as he has. Oh, three but head coaches now. Good on him. You know, I'm never going to fault a man for staying employed. Got to respect it. Mm-hmm. But it may not last too much longer. They've got, and again, this is just a young team making 
some stupid mistakes throughout the game. I thought Jordan Phillips was asking for it the entire game. He really and finally, was. finally got the taunting call, which people will complain about, but he did hit the running back. Yeah, he, he, he and he did it on purpose. Pe- you know, people were saying, "Oh, he was just pumping up the crowd with his arm," but that's not what he was doing. He was throwing the, the guy's leg yeah. and. After every tackle he made, he was clapping at the sidelines. And look, I get it. It's personal for you. Whatever. They cut you. Things didn't work out. But, dude, like yeah. you're costing your team yards. Yep. And, totally right. And expending energy clapping at guys when I just thought he, he was making an ass out of himself, to be honest. And I honestly thought he was going to get back-to-back taunting calls because after he got called for taunting, the next play he made the tackle – or helped in making the tackle and was clapping at the sideline again. And I'm surprised they didn't call it. And I, I just... McDermott took him out immediately. Right. And as he should have, because he's not a good enough player to be doing that no. type of stuff, no. quite frankly. No. And I think it was on Friday when McDermott was asked about Jordan Phillips specifically. And he didn't exactly heap praise on him. Um, he said something along the lines of, you know, he's contributed, uh, and he's still, still a work, work in progress, progress. Yeah. and uh, we're, we were thankful that, or not thankful, but he commented on his commitment to uh, to the effort. Be that, that's not exactly like a, oh, he's he's walked in and he's he's been really good for us, or anything like that, and he makes flash plays, but there's also times where he disappears too. He, like you said, he's not a good and consistent enough player to be warranting penalties in a spot like that one that gave new life to the Dolphins, which ended up being, I believe it was a touchdown on, on that drive, correct? That was the Kenny Stills touchdown in yes. the back of the end zone. So, I mean, he's got to be better. It's just they, they kept shooting themselves in the foot. And time and time again, the defense played a heck of a game today outside of the penalties. That was really what undid that because Tannehill's good for two or three really good throws every single game. That's just who he is. And the rest of the time it's like, oh God, he's a boring quarterback. But that one to Stills in the end zone and, you know, the one to Parker over the middle, I think that went for the touchdown too. I mean, those are really good throws. But the rest of the time, the passing offense really didn't do much. The running game for the Dolphins didn't do much. I think they had 175 yards total. That's nothing in the grand scheme of things. The Bills outgained them. What was it 415 to 175? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And I know the Bills were trying to go into comeback mode at the end, so it definitely helped influence those those numbers. But still, uh, but that's a legitimate those are, advantage. Those are yards. Yeah, I mean, yards you know, are yards. Those are yards. That, those were important yards. They weren't garbage time yards. Those were potential game winning drive yards. Right. So, yeah, I thought they honestly they earned it. Uh, today in a lot of ways but they also earned the loss because because of what they did to themselves and maybe that's something that over time they'll learn from and and that's all you can really hope because the way that they played uh you know is definitely something to look forward to you know like something to build on you know they, they played the games they've played the last two weeks, really, if you go back to the Jets game, three games in a row, they're starting to come together. And, again, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's not going to show up in a ton of wins this year. But down the road, it could. And 
if there's more talent around Josh Allen in the future, then life could be pretty good. It will be. Bills. It will be hard not to have more talent around him next year. That's true. You can't get too much less talent. They would. They would have to try to not do anything. They would have to add nothing, and then replace only with undrafted free agents. And even still, you never know because Robert might get Foster's right. you know an undrafted guy who's making some noise for them. But it was. All in all, a, a another interesting game. A game yeah. that, you know, a season that looked for a while like it might turn into a pretty dull season. That month of time when Josh Allen didn't play, I wouldn't blame anybody for not watching. God, but the fan base was coming apart at the seams. But <laughs> because the offense was so it was so unwatchable. But now they're very much watchable. Yeah, they are, and borderline fun to watch in some ways, and and so. I think that's that's the good thing here. It is that you lose these. You know, it's a close game or whatever, and you know it doesn't go their way. And you'd like to see a young team pull that out to get that experience. But they played about as well as they could have outside of that. And you know, Charles Clay kind of blew it. Yeah. But you know, Josh Allen looked special throughout the day mm-hmm. at different times. So we'll see. Maybe he can build on it, and you know. Schedule stays soft. The Jets, the Lions, these Dolphins again, and they play the Patriots. So there's no reason to think he can't string together a few more games like this and give Bills fans even more to look forward to. Yeah, and I think what makes Allen into such a uh, a must-see sort of player is that no matter the circumstance, you never think it's a dead situation. I mean, if they're down 20 points with three minutes to go, yeah, it's dead. But I'm talking about third and 23. Are you saying Josh Allen can't make a throw that'll just move move the the chains and keep them on the field? Because he can, and he's willing to throw those <laughs> those passes to try and advance them throughout. And then down the stretch of the game there, when they got the ball back, he was electric he was on fire right right from that very first throw I mean he just completely opened up the Dolphins defense and they didn't know they were shook they didn't know what to do and that Zay Jones throw the back shoulder that was just it was on him and was it was it a penalty maybe maybe not whatever I mean he's still throwing those passes then getting the ball to Charles Clay like he did you just never think that it's a dead issue especially against a team like the Dolphins. So, Bills fans got to be happy. I mean, the loss the loss is a loss. They now have more It's the l- best of both worlds. Yeah. They move up in the draft order and Ooh, speaking of, I need to do that. And you still you know, get an encouraging game. Right. They don't really get their asses kicked when Josh Allen is the quarterback. The Packers game is the only time 22 to nothing they the lost. The Chargers maybe. The Chargers, yeah, I mean, but they end up losing by 11. It was it was a pretty solid thumping but those are two games pretty early on and they now are competing against teams that they should compete against and you know the Chargers are one of the best teams in football and the Packers on the road is not an easy game for a rookie quarterback but outside of that you know he's kept them competitive against some decent teams and decent defenses so definitely a lot to a lot to build on there Mm -hmm. um you know and and something that I think like you said, 
people should be happy about, um, even though it could have gone better. Um, and the end result probably should have been better. Um, they they played what I thought was was a really good game that they, they should have won. Yeah, they should have. And, you know, that's it, it, going to be one of those learning experiences for Sean McDermott and company, and they, they have to figure out what it takes to come away with those victories. Perhaps a tight end that can catch the ball at the end of the game. That might be something. Here's a question. Do the Bills make Calvin Benjamin and or Charles Clay inactive the rest of the way? Because they're not getting production there out of either guy. I mean, there's a. I think there's a stronger case for Benjamin just because they have more guys. But Clay let them down in a huge spot. And he has been just nowhere to be found the entire season. I mean... He, he, the best stretch of games that he's had, perhaps since he's gotten here, was right at the beginning of last year. Then he got hurt, and then he's, we haven't really heard from him since. And so now, do they think to themselves, well, let's get more time for Kroom. Let's see if he can be the starter moving forward. And obviously, with the wide receiver position, Benjamin's snaps have been dwindling as it is, but... If the head coach of the team makes a comment like, you know, we need to trim the fat off the route on the play where they had the pass intercepted, that's, to me, in his head, thinking, oh, the receiver needs to do a better job on that to give the quarterback a chance. He didn't even need to watch the tape Nope, to figure that out. Certainly did not. Which tells you that it was glaring Mm -hmm. to him. Because if there's ever any gray gray area, he uses that crutch, which is... Fine, because sometimes you do need to go back and watch and figure out where to assign blame or how to assess something. But when it's that obvious that it comes right to your head to say that that route needed to be better, yep. I think that tells you everything you need to know about Kelvin Benjamin. Charles Clay, I would guess, will still be in the lineup just because he does offer something from a blocking perspective. Sheer necessity. But, yeah, they don't have a lot of talent at that position as it is, so... But yeah, he he stunk, and so did Kelvin Benjamin, and we've been on those two all year, but Mm -hmm. they get paid a lot of money, and they're supposed to be good, and they're not, and I guess that's what, uh, that's why they're frequent in the awards section of this show, which is not a good place to be. Certainly not. Hearing your name. Certainly not. And I know, I'm sure they're all listening, just (laughs) dreading if they hear their name. And And they come on early in section? In the Dree Archer section or the Vontae Davis section. You brought up the the draft order. The Bills did move up. Um, This is before the 4 o'clock games go final, and obviously the Sunday and the... uh, I'm sorry, the Sunday night and the Monday night games. But you have... uh, Let's see. Ooh, there's more finals than I thought there were. Um, I mean, you have the Bills moving ahead of the Jaguars. So, as of right now, they are, I think, let's see, did the Lions game go final? Did it, did it, did it. Uh, Yes. So, the Lions would move ahead of the Bills. So, the Bills at least moved ahead of the Jaguars, so that that would make them eighth uh, at the current moment. So, we'll we'll see how the rest of the games kind of shake out, but uh, it seems like they should be okay and you know the one game that might influence it a little bit the Jets are up on the Titans 
in the fourth quarter right now, 22 to 13. Man, what a bad loss that would be for Tennessee, who's trying to get a playoff spot. Um, that the Bills would not move ahead of the Jets because the Jets' uh, strength of schedule is worse than the Bills. So there is that. Um, but you know, the Bills, like you said, best of both worlds, get to an improved draft pick, and we'll see if they can. Uh, we'll see what happens against the Jets if if the Jets do indeed win. That could be a battle for. A superior draft spot when all is said and done. Though I do find it kind of a hard thing to believe that the Jets might actually come to New Era Field and win a game. Um, but that might be the first time all year the Bills are favored. I think they will be favored, especially with what Josh Allen showed out here today. But that nothing is dead, and that he can put together yards. Could and be like a two or three point favorite, I would think at least. Yeah, Darnold might be back. It'll be a showdown Ooh. of the rookie quarterbacks. That'd be something. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'd rather would, not see Josh McCown. It would beat Matt Barkley versus Josh McCown. No offense to Matt Barkley. Let your tongue. All offense to Josh McCown, <laughs> TBH, because he his play was downright offensive in the last game. So yeah, it was. He was I, like, I feel like we've seen our fill of Josh McCown. Like, yeah, we've been punished enough. Our deed is done. Yeah, it's time. It's somebody else's turn to watch Josh McCown. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Matt Barkley, should we hand out some awards? I feel like we should. Uh, the Matt Barkley Award, I believe I gave it out last time, so how about you goes to the player that came out of nowhere to make a uh, an impact for the Bills? This is a, an it's interesting one. A positive award. It's hard, to, um, it's hard to say certain guys are coming out of nowhere. You know, guys like Isaiah McKenzie isn't yeah. really coming out of nowhere anymore. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick DeMarco. Ooh, that's a great one. The 38-yard catch. Where the hell did that come there, from? That's such a good one for the Matt Barkley Award. Like, I mean, that was all he did. Right. But still, 38-yard right. catch from Pat DeMarco. Wow. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. Didn't know he had it in him. Has any other, has there been, has Charles Clay ever had a 38-yard catch? Yes, he has. <laughs> the, remember the long uh, yeah, bomb in not, Atlanta? I, I don't know if he's had one this season. No, though. definitely not this um, year. 38 yards, I mean, that's a... It's a good play. He was Pat the leading DeMarco. receiver for quite some time in that game. Yeah. He, with 38. I mean, for and It was for all he did, anyway. but hey, that's what that award's for. He came yeah. out of nowhere. I, I was not expecting to see Patrick DeMarco catch a 38-yard pass. That's, that's a great recipient of the award. Um, all right, so now we go to the Dree Archer Award, which I'll take this time around. Uh, the Dree Archer Award is going to go... I mean, kind of on him all all podcast. Charles Clay has to be Charles Clay. I mean, had one catch for nine yards in his return back to the lineup after missing a few weeks due to a hamstring injury, and then having the game in his arms and then dropping it. I know it's probably killing him inside, but you got to make that catch, man. That's that's Dree Archer Award through and through. That's that's potentially every award that we have outside of the Matt Barkley Award material. So he uh, justifiably receives the Dre Archer Award. Yeah, I he he was bad, and you know he's he's been bad. He's gotten that award a lot because he's not not very good. No, it's what happens. I think Kelvin is the most frequent recipient of these awards. Yeah, probably. Is he going to get one right now? I, no, because if he were to get one, he would have had to have shown up 
to get the Vontae Davis Award, you need to do something. In the first half. At some point. Yeah, sure. I'm going to give that to LaShawn McCoy. Had to. Because he had, I think a good chunk of his yards came in the, of, you know, the chunk that he had. Yeah, it was I'll only get, 50 yards. I'll I think it, for you right now. it was, a lot of it came in the first half. And I thought he made very little impact in the passing game, not making guys miss in the open field. And to me, that was, you know, in the second half of a close game, that's why you have, you know, you're a guy like LaShawn McCoy to make plays, you know, when, when you need them. And he didn't. And, you know, we've, we've been a little harsh on him this week, but he's, he's not playing super well. 41 of his 52 yards came in the first half. 18. How many receiving yards did he have in the first half? In the first half, he had negative six. Ah, uh, yes. 18 of his 41 yards in the first half came on that play where the Dolphins were playing them for a deep pass and basically in prevent. So that was as gimme of a run as possible. So that's 23 yards for McCoy in the first half. So I guess he did something. Yeah, he had the, the negative ne- negative six yard reception, which so was more Allen's fault than his. Eighteen receiving yards in the second half, and yeah, like eleven rushing yards. Yeah, so so yeah, McCoy is not quite Avante Davis, but no, about as close as you can get. No, no, certainly not. Um, yeah, McCoy has had his fair share of struggles, and outside of the Jets game, I'm there hasn't been a game this year where he has looked right or looked like himself. I mean, we've seen little flashes of it every here and again but there's also times where he just doesn't take what's there I mean there was perfect example of this I think it was early on in the game where he rushed it out wide on a third down play to pick up the first and he picked up the first but if he just went upfield he would have gained at least three or four more yards than he did and those are the decisions that we're sitting here talking about that's why he has been such an ineffective runner because I don't know if he doesn't want to get hit or he's trying to extend his career to go into next year maybe. I don't know what what the deal is there, but maybe the explosiveness isn't there anymore, which could could be the case, but he just hasn't been the same guy. And the more this goes on, the more evidence that we have that he needs to be at most a complimentary player next year. And that's... It's been a uh, a pretty stark falling from grace for him through 10 games, but that's a big enough sample size in the NFL now. I mean, first four to six games, it's like, all right, let's see if he can turn it around. Nine out of your 10, 90%, and you're three quarters of the way through the season now? Yeah, that's, that's enough of a sample size for me to know that there's something not right there, and He's got to figure it out in these last four games to convince the Bills otherwise. I'm I'm sold a bit. Yeah, he and the schedule is softening up at this point. So you just wonder if he doesn't turn it around in these next four games, if he'll ever get it back. Right. And, you know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But that's where we're at with LaShawn McCoy because, like you said, nine out of ten games is more than just a, a slump. Mm-hmm. It's a trend, mm-hmm. and it's starting to become his reality, which is – a problem for this team. Mm-hmm. All right, time for Come On Darlene. Um, a, lo- a lot of uh, potential Come On Darlene uh, things. And I think I'm fairly certain I know where you're going to go, but I'm going to go with one that I spotted early on in the game that I even I even pointed to you. 
And this, if this is you, I'm sorry. Not you, Matthew Fairburn. You, the listener. If this is you... You're not sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not at all. I'm sorry that you didn't know to be better. Maybe that's a little harsh. But I spotted on more than one person. Bills fans, sometimes they they travel on the road. Miami's a popular one because, obviously, nice weather. They take over the the beach area of Fort Lauderdale. It's just kind of of how it goes. Um, But in the parking lot in the stadium, I spotted on two different people. A new Bills jersey, the, the Nike brand, everything like that, with uh, with a uh, specification on it. A number 12 Jim Kelly jersey. Why? Why are you putting a player from the early 90s that wore a completely different type of uniform on a current one to date? Do they sell those in the I don't, shop? Maybe I don't somebody think they can do. let us know because I see those a lot. Really? And I think it's, it's a silly, silly thing to it's do. It's bad. My my buddy at, uh, at GR when I used to work there, Jeremy White, called them jersey fouls. That is a massive jersey foul in my mind. And I just, I can't get on board with it. You gotta, you have to play to the era. It's like Matthew Fairburn. Wearing a uh, a new school Jags jersey with Blaine Gabbert right. on it, I, I, I wouldn't it dare. For you. I did it for you. Um, that you can't, you just can't. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there's at least one or two listeners out there like, oh crap, that's uh, me. <laughs> and that's but, why we give away jerseys on this podcast yes. to help make sure things like that don't happen. That's that's definitely a jersey foul, right? I think so. I it has to be. I could be wrong. I mean, I mean perhaps there's. Some people out there that just, and again, maybe they sell those. They, they might sell those, in which case it's it's a bit negligent. Pop, poppycock is should what be able it to, would, would be. Should be able to sue the Bills if <laughs> they're selling those. Because I, at that point, they're putting you in harm's way. They're I, asking you to make a bad decision. Right. I think the thing that bothers me the most is that it's, I mean, the font is wrong from what it used to be. And, and it's a different jersey, obviously. But the Bills logo is right above the name on the new jerseys. And there was no way that was ever happening back in the day. So, I don't know. Authenticity means a lot to me. And that is With, not authentic. No, not not, not even, even remotely. Close. Not even remotely. Even if you get the proper stitching stitching and everything. But eh, I guess everyone to each their own, right? Okay, yeah. what, what's yours? Different strokes for different folks, as I like to say. Mm. That might be the first time I've ever heard you say that. (laughs) I I say it all the time. As (laughs) my come on, Darlene, goes to Jerry Hughes. Yeah, I knew it. And I, (laughs) so it's probably not for the reason you think. He came off the field. I was down there in the outside of the locker room as they were coming off the field. And all of a sudden, Jerry Hughes, somewhat calmly, oddly calm, just runs right by the locker room. And I'm thinking to myself, where is he going? The locker room is right there. and But then he starts progressively getting not so calm. Yeah. And he begins screaming, and I'm thinking he's going to try to fight like a Dolphins player or something. Something happened, and he's going to try to fight one of the Dolphins. But it was actually an official who Jerry Hughes claimed that the official called him a bitch during the game. Mm-hmm. And... Jerry Hughes essentially said he was going to knock his ass out. 
and John Miller had to restrain Jerry Hughes and corral him and get him back into the locker room. As only one might try to do with Jerry when Gary mode engages. Right. He he was out of, a little out of his head. All that, I was kind of like, all right, you know. Right. Frustrations boil over, and if what he's saying is true, I don't totally fault him. He also didn't cross any sort of line. He just gave the official a piece of his mind. He wasn't throwing throwing knucks at him or anything like that. But then we get in the locker room and we're talking to Jerry Hughes about it. And it's like, so Jerry, like, man, what happened there after the game? He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I knew, I actually knew this is why you would give him come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> Did something happen after the game? And we're like, well, he ran over to the ref and, you know, MF'd him up and down. Uh-huh. Oh, did I do that? <laughs> I What did I say? I don't recall, he said. <laughs> I don't recall. I don't recall. <laughs> and it was like, Jerry, it's it's on video. Yeah. John, it's on the internet. John Scott of Spectrum was like, Jerry, I have I have the video of, of you. Of you. He's like, what did I say? He's like, like I'd love to see it. <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> you, you, I was kind of surprised John didn't whip out I almost, phone. I almost was like, it's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I understand for the most part. I think he was probably just trying to avoid getting in further trouble because mm-hmm. he's already going to be in big trouble for that, I assume. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But financially, I don't. he's not going to get suspended or anything, but he'll probably get fined. But just the, oh, did I do that? But he, he does this all the time. This is his thing. He flips the switch because remember when him and Marone got in the shouting match at the end of training camp that one year, and Jerry's like, oh, you know. It's training camp. Yeah, you know, the heat of the moment. It'll get it'll get you. Or if he gets in a fight uh, during during a camp practice, he's like, it, "Oh no, yeah, no, no, everything's fine. Yeah, we're teammates. We're good. Yeah, everything's fine." As as he's like being restrained to not go after Jordan Mills <laughs> during a training camp practice, he's like Walter in the Big Lebowski. I'm calmer than you are. <laughs> calmer than you are. Excellent reference. That's, that's a, what he reminded me of after the game. That's his shtick. I'm but, cal- calmer than you are, and I was like, it was like. Damn it, Jerry. Like, <laughs> it's on video. Don't be a dumbass. I was like, I know you did it. <laughs> he knows uh, he did he it. He knows he did it. Like, we all saw it. It's on video. Another favorite part of that was when. But he he's very good at acting. Like, he's very yeah. good. He's like, yeah, he is. if you didn't know any better, he was just completely st- stone faced. Like, oh, did something happen? <laughs> Could you fill me in? Like I don't know how he doesn't just crack up laughing right. at that point. I think my I think uh, one of my favorite parts about that little exchange there was when, when he, had, <laughs> he asked, "Oh, what was said?" And John goes, "Well, you said the referee called you, dot dot dot, a bitch." <laughs> and Jerry straight face is just like, "Oh, oh I don't recall." Yeah. <laughs> It's like, did the ref say anything to you during the game? No. 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 How did you think the officiating was? Thought it was fair. (laughs) Did he say that? Yeah. Thought it was fair. (laughs) Oh. All right, Jerry. Well, great talking to you. Safe Uh, flight home, buddy. Like, He really might have split personalities. Who knows? He's like, yeah, I didn't do it. If Gary is real... I mean, that's the only explanation. There was a split second where I was like, he was doing such a good job acting. I was like, does he really not remember? <laughs> like, does he actually not remember what he did? 
Oh, my God. Yeah. So come on, Darlene, to Jerry Hughes. So come on, Darlene goes to Jerry Hughes for saying he doesn't recall something that happened about 15 minutes prior. And to Jim Kelly jerseys set on current jerseys. Yikes. Yikes to both. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Um, Up next, the Bills take on the New York Jets. They're back home for... Two straight weeks, the Jets and then the Lions, two winnable games, two games where Josh Allen can continue to show that progress and to make Bills fans all giddy inside because I think that's what happened for a lot of fans today after the uh, the first half was done. Once the second half got there, it's like, whoa, what have we stumbled onto here? It's, uh, I, I, I can only anticipate even fringe Bills fans will tune in next week after they see or, or hear about what Josh Allen did and was close to doing against the Dolphins late down the stretch here. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscalia. We will reconvene on Thursday of the coming week, and we'll see, and we'll break down the Jets matchup to see if the Bills can make it a clean sweep in 2018 over those New York Jets. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.